Welcome to I'm Telling, where we have real stories from real students. Our podcast features students from South Mountain Community College Storytelling Institute, located in Phoenix, Arizona. These stories are recorded live in a classroom setting with just one take. I think a fanny pack was one of the best inventions ever. I don't know if you remember these things. You put it around your waist, and you could take your sunglasses and put them in there, and you could put your keys in there and tickets and other things. Uh, very, very handy. And when I had kids, I could take the little guy here in a snuggly and then put a newborn diaper in there and a wipe over there and a, and a, and a pacifier. That was great. And when the kids got older, I could put Oreo cookies and cheese crackers and M&Ms. And my children actually liked the fanny pack. But the years go by. And when my older son got into middle school, no more. The, the fanny pack had taken a terrible fashion dive right to the bottom, <laughs> right to the very symbol of nerddom, to the point where my son said to me one day, I am not leaving the house if you're going to wear that fanny pack. <laughs> and, and he told my wife, also, who's, who's much more tolerant of these kinds of things, don't let him leave the house with a fanny pack. And so my fanny pack had to go into semi-retirement. But I loved it when I traveled. I had this red fanny pack, and when I traveled, and they travel a lot. It's, it's a hobby of myself and my family. We like to go off the beaten track. We like to go places where other people don't go. And the fanny pack was great, because you could put your phrase book in there. You could put your map in there, a little bit of local currency, maybe a little water, you know, all kinds of things. And it was just, just great. Well, fast forward to my younger son's sophomore year of high school. I wanted to take him on an adventure travel, so somewhere, somewhere different, for his um, spring break. I had taken his older son four years earlier to Belize in, in Central America, and we'd had a great time. It was a good, good bonding time. So Graham and I, his name's Graham, my younger son, we sat down with the maps, and we saw Nicaragua. And we said, this sounds great. Like, people have gone there. It's, you know, there's no tourists, and there's lots of cool places to see. And we looked at the State Department um, note on it, and they, I found out why nobody goes there. It's the, it's the poorest country in Central America. Uh, the crime is sky high. You shouldn't really go there. That's basically what it said. Don't go to Nicaragua as a tourist. So, of course, Graham and I got tickets, and off we went. And uh, we went to the places that we'd heard about. So we went to the ocean first. We were on the beach. We zip-lined through the trees, and there were howler monkeys above us jumping around, and there were exotic birds, and... We just had a great time. We went from the beach over to Lake Nicaragua, which is this very large lake in the middle of the, the, the country, fresh water, and we took a boat out to an island, and um, our hotel was right by the water. We swam and just really had a nice time hiking and everything else. Now, despite what the State Department said, the people of Nicaragua were wonderful, really friendly, kind. They helped us in every way they could. And then the other thing that was really different is the other tourists, and there weren't many, were really friendly. They talked to us. I don't know if you've ever gone to a place like London or Paris. All the tourists make believe they're the only ones there. They don't, the, the American family over there is not really there, and the one from Alabama over there is not really there. But in Nicaragua, it was so off the beaten track that they came right up to you and said, what are you doing here? How did you find the place? And there were no other Americans, by the way. They, they, they read the State Department thing and said, I'm staying home. But um, there were people from Eastern Europe. We met people from Belgium and Britain. Had a great time. We were really loving it. Well, our final stop was Granada. It's, it's, it's also on, on Lake Nicaragua, but on the mainland. 
and um, it's an old city. It goes back to the 1500s. I didn't even know that there were Europeans in Central America in the 1500s. They have two churches that were built in the mid-1500s. Anyway, it was a wonderful city. We really loved it and, and, and enjoyed the time. It was delightful. So Graham and I had one last full day in Nicaragua. And we said, what are we going to do? And he said, Let, let's go for a bike ride. That sounds fun. Get out on our bikes. We went to the bike shop, got a couple of nice bikes. We talked to the owner, and he said, well, what's a good place to go? He said, get on this dirt road, head straight for this extinct volcano. There's a crater lake at the bottom, crystal clear. It's beautiful. That's where people like to go. So we got on our bikes, and it was everything we'd hoped it would be. We were going through this farmland. Now, the one thing about being the poorest country in Central America is that no one owns a tractor. So out in the fields were donkeys and mules and horses and carts, and it was just so fun to ride our bikes through this countryside. We got out to the crater lake, crystal clear. There's a little log near the shore. We sat and we swam, and then we talked about things. We, it was a sophomore year. I said, you know, what are you going to do next? Where do you want to go to college? And we just had a great day. And um, he, I, I should look at my wife. Cause maybe, um, so we had a great day. And he showed, me the, he showed me his camera. Now, that was one of the first times where a camera could take video. So he had videos of the monkeys above us and some of the trails we were on, the people we met. He showed us all these cool videos. And then um, we finally said, well, it's getting a little late. You know, we'd had, had, had a day there. Let's head back into town. So we got back on our bikes. I strapped my fanny pack on, nice red one. I loved it, um, with all our snacks and stuff. And we headed back the same road. And we were just chatting. And about halfway back, out of some shrubbery to the left, came two men. Now, these men probably weren't the friendly ones because they had their faces covered with white towels and they had machetes high in the sky. And they were running at us fast. And the machetes were glinting and they were coming at us. Now, you know about uh, fight or flight reaction? where your brain turns off and you either fight or you, you run or you get away. Well, I went for the flight because they had the machetes. I wasn't going to fight these guys. And so I pushed down hard on the pedals. They were running. I was on a bike. I went to the right side of the road. Now, you might think, was I going to leave my son behind to get chopped up in little pieces with the machete guys? But I wasn't thinking about that. I was terrified. So I, I, I went. But these guys were smart. They'd probably robbed a few other um, Gringos before that. So... They, they, the one ran for me, the other ran for Graham. He grabbed my bike, knocked me off, and unfortunately I was on the right side of the road because I was trying to get away, and the side of the road had all the boulders that they'd thrown off this dirt road over, the, over eons. So I came down really hard on my back on these, on these boulders, so that didn't feel so good. And then they knocked my, my son down too, and he got his leg scraped and stuff. So at first I'm laying there, and then luckily, and the reason I probably don't have nightmares so much, is like that they were gone. And so I looked around, and I started to get up, and I said, Graham, are you okay? I actually did care about my son. And, and he said, yes. He said, oh, they got my camera, you know, with all the video and everything. I said, oh, crap. And I, I thought I was laying on my back. I said, it couldn't have got my fanny pack, because that's where it is. It was gone. They must have just sliced it and gone. So I got up. I was pissed off about my fanny pack. <laughs> so I got up, and we could see him running through the brush. So I was like, I'm going to chase them. You know, they got my stuff. I started to go. And there was something wrong. I couldn't get a breath. There was something seriously wrong with, with my, my chest cavity. So I said, like, oh, Graham, I guess I can't chase him. What are we going to do? And they didn't take the bikes. That was the most expensive thing we had. And the, the fanny pack had a camera. And, I mean, it had, you know, they had this camera and the glasses. But they didn't take the bikes. 
So we got back on the bikes and kept going down the same road. But now we're really scared that we're going as fast as we can. We're looking at every bush. But we made it back into town without incident. We went into the um, bike shop, and there's just a worker there. The owner wasn't there at the moment. But I was bleeding all down my leg and on my arm and down my leg, and, and Graham was bleeding, and I could barely talk. I'm like, we got attacked by guys with machetes. And so the, he called the, uh, the worker there, called the owner. The owner came over, apologized, and said, we got to get you to a doctor. Now, now, sometimes I say, I don't want a doctor. I wanted a doctor. There was something not working on my chest cavity. So we went to a little clinic off the, off the square there, and this place was like something out of Norman Rockwell, where you know everything is oh there's a little fan ding ding and this had little fold up chairs in the front. But the doctor was nice enough to take me right away. He took me in the back, but as I lay on the table, the pain went from like really really bad pain, which it was since I was attacked, to like excruciating, where you're, you're, the tears start to come out of your eyes and you're not really crying. It hurts so bad. Now the doctor knew I was a. Um, a teacher and instructor of uh, anatomy and physiology, <laughs> human anatomy and physiology, no less. And I, I, I'm going to get this wrong, but I was holding the wrong side. I said, it must be my heart. I think I'm going to die. And the doctor says, you teach anatomy and physiology? Your heart is over here. You know? And I said, okay, okay. That, that's all right. <laughs> but he said, he was really nice. He got out this big needle. I don't know what was in it, but and all of a sudden things were just a little bit better. Whatever it is, took the edge off. Then he prescribed four medicines, and we walked back to the square, went down a little bit, and, and went to a pharmacy. For four bottles of medicine, $13. One thing nice about socialist third world countries, the medicine's really cheap. So I, I took the four medicines. I really wanted to go home at that point. And, um, but he said, well, maybe we should go to the police station, then you can file a report, and I'll give you a report. So he went a little bit farther, around, around a couple of blocks, into this police station, it made the doctor's office look like luxury because this place it had like some fluorescent lights, but they were going, and the one over there didn't work. And then they had these old computers, the kind that glow green, really bright green. But this policeman was nice, and he sat us down and, and started to ask questions. One of the first things he did is start to put pictures of all the local banditos up on there. And we're like, no, 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 they had the, the towel on the face. Now, somewhere in there... I started to lose it, I think, from the day and the four drugs. I was like, you know, I, I stopped being able to answer questions. And, and now I've lived in South America, and, and, and I know Spanish quite well. But I ha I've been this, the speaker. Now, all of a sudden, Graham is speaking Spanish to this guy. I'm like, where'd that come from? He said, I've been learning Spanish since kindergarten. Can you give me any credit? But anyway, he took over. The end of it was, the guy typed like this. took forever. We finally got out of there. And I said, can I have a, just a police report? He said, no, we have to go back to the scene of the crime. I said, okay, um, but can we make this fast? I'm not feeling well. He said, let me check. He checked. They didn't have a single vehicle at the police station. Luckily, we weren't somewhere with an emergency. They didn't have, so he said, come back tomorrow morning. Our captain will get a vehicle somehow and take you out there, and then we'll give you a full police report. I said, well, I'm leaving, because the next day we're going to the airport across from the air, we're going to the hotel near the airport, and then we're leaving the morning after that. He said, come early, and we'll take care of this, and you'll be done, you'll get your police report. He did give me a little piece of paper that ended up being helpful. Anyway, the next morning I show up, I got the paper for the Capitan, you know, uh, you know to, to bring us. They looked for him, they said he's really busy, and we still don't have a vehicle at this police station. But if you walk out of town, there's a courthouse. They'll be expecting you. Talk to the judge there. They'll give you a police report. 
And Graham and I looked at each other and said, we ain't walking nowhere out, out of this town again. So we didn't. We, we went back to our hotel, got a taxi to the, um, well, actually, we went back to our hotel, got a taxi out to the airport to a hotel across the street from it. Now, the night before, I hadn't slept at all. I mean, it just hurt too much. That night at the hotel, I did also did not sleep at all. But we got up early in the morning, walked across the street to the airport, got on the plane, everything seemed to be going hunky-dory, flew to El Salvador, where our first stop was, got off, and here's all these signs about mechanical trouble. And we said, what? And they said, yeah, you have to go to the TACA, the, the office there, and talk to them. The plane won't fly to Los Angeles from here. So I waited and waited, like 30 people in front of me, 50 people behind me. And they said, the only place, thing we can do is fly you to LA, we'll put you up for the night, and then the next day get you to Phoenix. I pulled the tourist, the attack tourist thing. I said, look, I'm still bleeding. I got this, I can barely breathe, I need medical attention. I, I just played it up, and I didn't have to play it up hard, but he said, okay. He gave Graham and I a pass to the VIP lounge. He said, go in there, I'll find you. We walked in there, I got a, a cafe con leche, and sit back, sat back, I finally fell asleep. So asleep that I was still dreaming this, that I was, something was going on. A guy was waking me up, the, the guy from the airline. He says, I got your first class tickets to Houston and then on to Phoenix. And I'm like, yes. He said, but you got to leave right now. So we, we get up, we go. And sure enough, there's a great ride back. Even though every one of those four drugs said don't combine with alcohol, I had a cocktail. <laughs> I sat back. And I finally got back to Phoenix. And I was heading to my home. I was coming into my house. Now, I hadn't said anything to my wife, because why tell her? You know, I had took her precious son to this place that the State Department said don't go to, and, you know, I didn't want to bring it up. What was I going to do? She'd find out soon enough. So I walked in the house, and what started as a big smile and a friendly welcome and you're back turned into kind of a horror thing, because I couldn't talk and I was bleeding. I had all these, these wounds and stuff. And so we had to tell her the story, and I, you know, we kind of talked about it. But toward the end, I said, and they stole my fanny pack. <laughs> and she burst into to laughter, and everything was okay. <laughs> if you are interested in learning how to become a storyteller, please visit our website at southmountaincc.edu forward slash storytelling.